Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist. And I'm Joshua Gersler, a chartered financial planner. We're here to discuss topical financial subjects in an accessible way that you may come across in your personal and business life that are likely to impact you, your family and your finances. We're also keen to share our thoughts and views with you and hopefully make you smile along the way. If you'd like to find out more about me, visit cavendishcontent.com and you can find me at topfs.co.uk. Thanks for downloading the latest in for a penny podcast. Now, there have been plenty of words that have become more common since the coronavirus pandemic spread across the world earlier this year. A lockdown used to be something you did in a pub. Maybe that's a lock-up, actually. And a face mask was previously a beauty treatment. Uh, the word furlough is also becoming more common after the government set up a coronavirus job retention scheme to help businesses retain staff during the uncertainty of the pandemic, even if they have to temporarily close. Under the scheme, the government will pay a firm's employees 80% of their current salary for hours not worked, up to a maximum of £2,500. Now, this uh, scheme's been changed a few times over in the past few weeks, as of uh, mid-November, and now the scheme will run until the end of March 2021. And of course, there are lots of questions. What can and can't you do on furlough? And what are your employment rights during the pandemic and beyond? To try and tackle this, Josh and I spoke with Rebecca Fox, an employment lawyer at VWV in Watford, to get an idea of your rights and responsibilities. Now, there have been a lot of changes to government support, and this interview was conducted in late October, so things could be a bit different by the time you listen, but it should hopefully give you a general idea of what is supposed to happen if you're furloughed, and if you feel you've been unfairly dismissed, and even if you are a company looking to make job cuts. We're joined by Rebecca Fox, partner, employment law partner at VWV Solicitors. She's based in one of their four offices in Watford. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. Hi. So I guess employers are quite busy at the moment and and staff as well. There's a lot of uncertainty going around amid the pandemic with um, furlough, uh, job losses and job cuts. And so, yeah, there's a lot of decisions for bosses to have to make. And I guess that's going to keep a lot of lawyers busy because... We need to make sure that the right decisions are made. Decisions are made, and that... yeah, it's been, it's been really busy. We've had the 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 last seven months have been busier than ever, um, and employment lawyers are rushed off their feet, as you can as you can imagine. Um, there's there's lots going on at the moment because um, I'm sure everybody's heard of the the government schemes trying to save save jobs and trying to keep as many people in employment as possible so there was um but there's uh, there's lots of um employees who are not lucky enough to have retained their jobs during this period um and so uh, companies are having to look at other ways to save money and that unfortunately um there have been a lot of um, redundancies a lot of what we call collective consultation so um large-scale redundancies where a lot of people have lost their jobs yeah, have you found you've been busier over the last six months with queries from employers and helping them or with employees? Uh, so we do both at VWV, um, but um, I'd say there's a there's a, a right 
a mix between between the two at the moment probably sort of 70% employer at the moment um and um uh, trying to get the processes right for employers to make sure that they're not falling foul of the law um, and then on the other side with employees to make sure that they are being treated fairly and that their the processes have been followed um and um and i find it really helps that acting for both sides um not obviously on it, for the same in the same right. situation um, but uh, it, it gives you a good perspective into uh what how what the other side might be thinking or what they should or shouldn't have been doing during the process and had you heard of the word furlough before march no never i'm it's probably the word i hear most and have heard me since March, yes, but no, I'd never heard of it before. It's been helpful. Where's, it, Where's it come from? You'd have thought I'd research that. It's just, <laughs> it just seems like a weird word for it, I think, because essentially, it, I don't know, how would you, I don't know if there's a better word for it. Or do you think it's made to sound kind of jargony so it doesn't sound as bad as it is? I think it's an American, it's an American word that's used, used there. Um, yeah, I so thought it was American. Then, okay. They, they use that word. <laughs> I don't think it sounds bad, Mark. I don't think it's got negative connotations. If anything, it's been a positive. I think that it's enabled people to keep their jobs that might have not uh, been able to. True. Do you still accrue holiday leave when you're on furlough? Yes. Or on one of these? Yeah. Yes, it's been a big issue during furlough. Yeah. I don't so... know how fair that's. Yeah, but you can't. Well, you can't. But you're not actually doing any work. I don't know how fair that seems personally. But I know who I... the employee or the employer. For the employer, I don't know. Well, you're still employed, aren't you? So you're yeah. still employed, but a lot of employees would say, "Well, I'm not able to enjoy my holiday in the same way that I should be able to enjoy it, and therefore I don't want to be." Because you're accruing it, but employers also can um, say ask you to take that holiday during the furlough leave. Period. Okay. So you can be asked to take it if you're given double the amount of notice than the holiday you're being asked to take. So if it's a one week holiday, you would be asked to give at least two weeks notice of that. So you'd have to plan that at least three weeks in advance to be able to ask them to take that one week's leave. Um, so you you can do it. Um, I've seen many um, individuals contest that and say, well, I'm not able to enjoy it in the same way. I can't go abroad and have the holidays and enjoy it with my family mm. you know, during lockdown when everyone was on lockdown. I can't go out and I can't see other people and I can't leave my A valid defence? So um, there's actually guidance on the government um, website that says that you can uh, request their employees take a holiday during this period, um, but an, an individual has to be able to enjoy their holiday, so it doesn't really help us there. Um, so how do you define that they have to be able to enjoy holiday? Because how do you define enjoyment? Yeah, like you could go away with Mark, which is a holiday, but not enjoyable. <laughs> And the question is, is, is the comparison, I guess, is the comparison working or, fur or on furlough? Because actually yeah. somebody would say, if I was working and then you tell me I can take holiday, it's holiday. But if I'm on furlough and I'm not working, is it OK that that individual then says, actually, this isn't holiday for me, but actually they've sort of been on an extended holiday by not having to work all that yeah. period. Just go and watch and, Netflix and in a different room. Right, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the other one is notice period, um, which is uh, which has also caused a, a lot of trouble during furlough, where people are are on notice during the furlough period, and um, and, and that's now been um, confirmed that that can be done, that you can be on notice during furlough. 
So you mean you can't get given your notice whilst Absolutely, you're on yes. Okay. What and about, let's say, probation period? You paid it? Are you paid it at the lower rate or are you paid it at the higher rate? Um, my view is, unless you've contractually agreed otherwise with your employer, that that should be paid at the higher rate. I think that sounds fair. And what about probation periods? Let's say you start a job and you're on a three-month probation and a couple of weeks in you get put on furlough. Does your probation clock freeze or does it carry on? So there's nothing to say that it would automatically freeze. So as, if as an employer you don't say anything or you're an employee and you're, you're, the company you work for hasn't put anything in writing, then there's no assumption that it would be moved or extended um the advice to any company is that you would um you would seek to have an extension in in writing and that your furlough letter or extension letter or um if you're doing the the um uh, job support scheme that you then say this is um this that your your probationary period is extended and to confirm how long that's extended by and to give yourself the right to extend it again who knows how long this is going to go on for you still can you apply for other jobs while you're on furlough or do other work um so you can't do work for your employer yeah uh, but you can do other work um and um you can apply for other jobs so there's nothing to stop you looking for another role and then resigning your position um you may or may not have to give notice i'm thinking that your employer might be if you, if you get another job that starts straight away, might be happy if you not to work your notice period. Um, but there's nothing to stop you looking for another job. Have you come across any um, situations where an employee has been put on furlough but asked to work during that period, so not actually furloughed? Yes, yes. I've, I've had individuals approach me where they've said, oh, I've been asked to work. Um, it's an absolute breach of the... Of, of the of the law um and um and that's what the government are doing at the moment that they're getting they've got this this team within um hmrc who are um looking at um uh, the, the any company that are breaching uh, the furlough guidance so that exactly that asking people to work whilst that they are being having their salaries paid um by the government that's what we call having your cake and eating it mm. So taking a step to the side a bit, so it doesn't have to be furlough related, but if you've got an employee who is unhappy with something at work, they and they might feel uncomfortable about bringing it up because they're worried about losing their job. And obviously that might end up with you. In that type of situation, how do you work out like a level of compensation for the employee if they do have that sort of dismissal as a result from that? Is it based on their income, their future earnings, what's the criteria to look at things like that? So the starting point, if somebody has an unfair dismissal, the starting point is, does that person have two years service? So under two years service, they, um, they won't, they're not entitled to bring an unfair dismissal claim. Um, they would only be able to bring a claim for um, something other than unfair dismissal. So something like, for example, um, whistleblowing or discrimination. Discrimination is a day one right that you can bring a claim for um for less favorable treatment based on what we call a protected characteristic so that's age race religion um a disability of any kind um uh, your sex your sexual orientation um and then um if you then have the requisite service and, and you believe you're being unfairly dismissed um then uh the first thing you would have to do is go to ACAS 
um, and you get what's called an early conciliation certificate. Um, before you get the certificate, your your um, ACAS's involvement is to conciliate between your company and yourself and to try and get a to negotiate a settlement there and then if not you get the certificate and that number goes on your claim form and you go to the employment tribunal um, and the employment tribunal will be looking at the process so did they go through a process in terms of the dismissal process was that process in itself fair um, and um, was it reasonable in those circumstances to dismiss that employee um, and in terms of compensation it is um, capped at a year's salary for um, for uh, employees so uh, for, for a straightforward unfair dismissal claim the most they would get is 52 weeks gross pay in terms of compensation um, it, it's and that in itself as well as capped at um, just over 88,000 pounds so if you earn more than that it would be capped at the, the, the lower amount um, and then um, if there is and, and and you would then also be entitled to uh, depending on what other claim you had if they didn't pay your notice your notice pay um, and uh, potentially other other um, expenses, for example, or things that you might have on top of that. Um, for for other claims where there's a discrimination, um, discriminatory aspect to the claim, um, then uh, compensation there. You, you're also looking at what we call an injury to feelings award. Okay, feelings award. Yeah. So as a uh, as employment lawyers that the three of us are, we always want to try and get some sort of discrimination proved. Is that right to, to increase the award? So um, if there is a claim, then you'd be looking at um, then there'd be an increase to any award. But I think it's also a, a lot of um, the, the fear for employers is that where there's not two years service, that's when an employee may say or try and hang a, a claim on a protected characteristic okay and my um law training had come from two very important sources the first was at university i did a module in law so i know loads from that Excellent. yeah and the second is from suits because i've watched sort of seven or eight series so, I quite a lot. so do you find <laughs> that it, in suits it seems like they never actually really go to trials and cases it's it's settled before that does that happen in real life um yes um that's so it doesn't mean that we never go we do have a lot of cases in the employment tribunal our offices are actually right next door to the employment tribunal in Watford um and we, we, it is convenient we do we do we are in there um a, a fair bit but um a lot of cases at the moment they do settle and and um not because not necessarily um uh, always because of the strength of the claim or the weakness of the claim but because it's just commercially sensible to do so um because these are expensive claims to to defend and bring um and um in an employment tribunal unlike other courts you don't get your costs back as as a right if you are successful or if you successfully defend it one side can't apply for their costs um, unless there's been unreasonable or vexatious conduct during the proceedings how much would something like this typically cost? Um, so a straightforward unfair dismissal claim, um, I th it really does depend um, on... on I'll do um, you a deal, Mark. What is it? <laughs> I'm just going to go sack myself, yeah. Get, get yourself a discount. It does yeah. depend 
um, I mean, you're looking at tens of thousands of pounds to to, to um, defend a claim. Um, and for an employee to bring a claim, an employee, an individual can actually do that themselves. They can be a litigant in person. And um, in my view, I think it's fairly um, a fairly uh, straightforward process for an individual to go through without taking formal legal advice. Um, and often I find that judges are quite sympathetic to litigants in person and they give them a lot of time and a lot of help during that process. Um, but these days it's fairly uncommon for, for people to go through that process on their own but if they do then there's no cost and you can do that without without spending any money so if you're an employer and you want to use one of these schemes what's sort of the best way to make sure you do it right you call vwv and you find <laughs> out whether you're following you're following all the uh uh, all the guidance and to make sure that you're not you're not going to fall into a in, into a pitfall that's going to cost later on because the last thing that you want is to um is to make one error with one individual that might start an audit and that everybody is looked at and that potentially you have to pay back monies that that have been paid by the government under the schemes are there step general steps that need to be followed like doing things in writing and giving notice particularly Absolutely, yes. Making sure everything is in writing, the setting out in that initial letter and um, exactly what's agreed and um, what your rights are. You might want to look at changing certain terms, as we were talking about before, changing terms so you get that right at the beginning. And if you're an employee, do you need, I guess you need to have raised your concerns with your boss first before ringing you up? Absolutely, absolutely yes. Make sure that um, you ask, ask the questions, find out what's happening um, and and what that means for you and your job. With um, with redundancies, my understanding is this, the law, the statutory redundancies, you're entitled to one week's pay for each year you've been at the company. Is that right? That's right, up to a maximum of um, of 20 years. Um, so it's one week's pay, but it's capped at 538 currently, which is the, the, the government cap um, for each 538 year. 538 weeks. £538 right. for as, as, um, a weekly wage at 538 and then that's for every year you've worked up to the age of 41 and then every year you work over the age of 41, it's one and a half weeks pay, so 538 times 1.5 okay. um, to work out your statutory redundancy payment. So anybody made redundant would receive a statutory redundancy payment um, at, if they have over two years service. Um, and also um, their notice, either that they'd be entitled to work their notice period or receive a payment in lieu of that notice period. And what are the tax implications of receiving that redundancy pay? The redundancy payment is free of tax deductions, um, so it's not taxed by HMRC. Um, and um, your notice pay is taxable. Okay. And a lot of um, employment contracts, you have a... I don't know what the term is, you tell me, some sort of restriction that you can't go to competition or, or set up business and things like that. What's the, what's the technical term for Restrictive that? Restrictive covenants. Thank you very much. If you are made redundant, does that covenant still happen or is, is that just if you decide to leave your job of your own accord? Um, good question. It's a, it's a contractual agreement. And so as long as you are... Um, you are dismissed fairly by reason of redundancy, then that would still hold and you would um, be uh, obliged to, as long as the restrictive covenants are um, are fair and reasonable, um, to 
to comply with those following the termination of your employment. But my suggestion is always get legal advice, both employers and employees on, on those restrictive covenants. If there's been a, any sort of illegality or there's been a breach of the contract, um, then an, an employee might be able to say, well, you've breached my contract and because the contract has been breached, the restrictive covenants are no longer enforceable. So they, there's perhaps ways of, of trying to, to get out of them, but it, it's not just because somebody has been made redundant doesn't mean that they are. Okay. Let me, can I take us back? Let's take us back, if I may, okay. to, the, to the early 1980s late 1980s i was gonna say we weren't born in the early 1980s George. we weren't so late 1980s i was born in 1983 there you go well we're, we can't comment but late 1980s <laughs> is when rebecca and i first met we were at primary school together did you know this mark no i'm excited to hear all about yeah. it and i don't i don't <laughs> recall us being particularly friendly we weren't not friendly but we don't think we sort of socialized <laughs> i played with boys that was all right you know, you know. <laughs> it was the 80s and then um <laughs> left school went to secondary school apparently we we're at the same university Rebecca I didn't know that at the same time you're too busy playing with boys exactly we're both at Birmingham <laughs> but but then speaking of playing with boys then my wife met Rebecca and got friendly and then our friendship has started again which is lovely but I'm taking us back to sort of post-university what made you decide to go into employment law because you're clearly very passionate and keen about it but what was that initial spark what you've done there use my maiden name <laughs> um what sparked a passion good question i i actually um my uncle is a lawyer um or he's he's retired now um and he um was a very successful personal injury lawyer um, and i used to go and stay with him when i was younger and and uh, my aunt and i used to love going to his offices in bristol and i used to love just seeing him um, in, in the law firm and I always thought I just want to be just like him um, and then when I started doing my training I really wanted to be a family lawyer um, and I just it was too emotional for me and <laughs> um, I could deal with like people separating and taking the kids and dragging the children through court I, I remember I had one experience where I was a, I was a trainee solicitor and I was um, at a hearing where the grandparents were trying to get custody of a grandchild because the uh because the daughter was a drug addict and I was in the waiting room of a of a court um a family court and I remember somebody saying you take the baby and they just shove this baby into, into I, was like, I don't know what to do with it um, and uh, and the, the grandparents were crying and the and the daughter wasn't there but every it was all very it was too emotional for me so I thought you gave the baby back yeah I gave the baby okay, yeah. and it was fine, it's still, it's still alive and I'm totally okay. Um, and I, um, I thought I wanted to do something with the human element. I loved speaking to people and love helping and I love um, having contact and with, with businesses and, and trying to find solutions to problems. Um, but it, and it does have an emotional link to it in terms of it, you know, it's one, the second biggest, um, uh, so the first, people say that the, the the most important thing will be your relationships and then after that it's your job and so it's really important to people so it does have it, it is important it does have that emotional tie but it's less emotional than having your children yanked away so it's <laughs> how, how do you find uh, so with what I do 
I look after my clients, a bit like you. I like to help people. I like to look after people, but I'm not competing against anyone. So I'm helping them. We're, we're just helping them. There's no opposition. How do you find that competitive confrontational side of what you do? Is that a serious question? It is, yeah. Um, I, um, I don't shy away from that. I always <laughs> think that if I, if, if I am right, then and that somebody has a valid um, a defense or, or, um, or claim, um, then actually you should fight to always force his right. Do you prefer working with employers or employees? Um, I like doing both. Um, it's... In case people from both sides are listening, she doesn't want to alienate you. I can give you my reasons for both. I like having the longer relationships with companies. So I've worked with companies for 10 plus years and um, they've... Um, They've stayed with me as as I have progressed my career, and they have. Um, we have very good working relationships. A lot of the people that I work with are my friends, um, and um, but with individuals, you get a um, you get that more personal touch, and you're re- you can really see the help that you're giving and the difference that that's going to make to that one individual's life. Is have you ever come up against companies? I don't know that you're fond of, or that you know people who work at is it ever difficult to kind of fight that sort of case where I know people that are working at the organization yeah uh so I probably would say that there would be too much of a conflict if I knew uh the person I was going to be writing to um um so I would perhaps ask a colleague to deal with it if um if it was suits you would recuse yourself I would (laughs) I absolutely would. Um, if I can do it, I always will. But if there's a, if there's even if there's not an actual conflict, because I'm not, um, we're not acting for the organisation, um, and and it would be okay to act. There, there would be a, a conflict, a commercial conflict, where I just would choose not to. Okay. You, you mentioned that early on, you had that switch from family to employment, and had a long successful career since then. Is there one thing that you wish you would have known? at the outset of your employment career that you you picked up along the way that would have made a difference? A difference to whether I would have... uh, Not not necessarily between family and employment, but just something that's been really beneficial to your career that you you haven't learned until later on. I think it's um, that you can learn so much always from other people and whether you are really junior or at the end of your career, I think anybody that thinks that they know it all, um, I, th- I think that that's always a problem because we should always be trying to learn more and find out more and actually so other people might have a different view on on a situation. Um, and just I always find that running things past colleagues and always talking to other people um, is, I, I, I always think is a is it just a great way to keep learning and just keep expanding every day's a school day absolutely have you had any failures along the way that was sort of a big learning point for you that you're allowed to share with us um i had a <laughs> i had quite a scary moment which has really changed which changed what i do i i had a call from an employment tribunal asking me where i was and um, had the claim settled 
um, because nobody had turned up. Um, and, um, and the a letter had been sent um, and, uh, and actually the other side thankfully hadn't turned up either because we had both agreed that, that, um, uh, that there would, was going to be a change to what was going on. Um, but the Employment Tribunal hadn't yet been informed of that. So okay. it did make me, me realise how important it is to make sure that things have gone to get people to confirm receipts. Um, so I think nothing, nothing major that has actually had a, an impact. But I think those sorts of things are really important and they should happen to people. And where, where disasters happen, I always say to, to junior colleagues, it's okay, it's, it's okay if something happens and we learn from it and we move on and, and it, that, I always think that will never happen again. And you mentioned your uncle's big influence on you starting out in law. Is there one or, or more than one individual nowadays who sort of inspires you and helps you along the way? Uh, the people that I work with at VWV, um, they've got very um, long-standing members of staff and senior um, partners there who are extremely knowledgeable and um, have had long and good careers there. So I, I always look up to them. If I, if I need to run anything past anybody, then it would be somebody at my, my firm. Do you ever see yourself as a character in, in any legal dramas? <laughs> Shall I play it back to you? Do you ever see me as a character in any legal dramas? <laughs> I only watch Suits. I can't think of any others. Um, You're a bit of a Jessica Pearson, aren't you? Hobble. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I did. I I think most lawyers are, aren't they? The good ones. <laughs> the good ones. <laughs> I have a good wife as well. That's sorry. That, that's a legal drama, isn't it? Yes, like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, like I wanted to start work, watching that last night, actually. On, yeah, uh, why? Never seen it, so I went on Amazon it's last good. night to start watching it. But it's not you have to start, you have to pay for it now. It's not included in Prime for some reason. That's it's bad. Worth it. Really good. Well, I'll wait till it comes on free again. Before we um, before we move on to our last questions, um, Rebecca, if people want to get in touch with you or find out a bit more about you, what's the best way to do that? Um, you can put my name into Google. Um, my name will come up um, um my you can always contact me if you want all my details are on the website at bwv.co.uk um and my telephone number my email address rfox at bwv.co.uk and if you drop me an email i'll always be happy to help thank you mark have you got our closing questions in front of you the, the ones no. we tend to ask or should i, I can find them okay I think I sent you some of these, Rebecca. I don't know if you <clears throat> found them. Um, I did very recently before the call, so I have had a quick think about them. <laughs> okay, good. So what would you say is the best advice you've been given about money? Um, I would say that it's always to keep a little bit tucked away for a rainy day. Always have a bank account with something spare in. Very if good. You if you can. <laughs> Am I jumping oh. in with the next one? Okay. Yeah, are you... on, take turns. All right. Are you a saver or a spender? I am both. I am both. I, because of my first answer, I always think you keep a bit tucked away as savings, but I'm very much, if you ask my husband, he'll tell you that I'm very much a spender. What's your most extravagant purchase? Sorry, that was a sort of 2A. What's your um, most extravagant purchase? Okay, I bought my husband a watch, a very nice watch. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's nice if you're buying things for other people. 
Yeah. That's good. What about on yourself? What's the most extravagant thing you bought yourself? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really buy extravagant things. I just like to buy, to go shopping and buy myself um, non-extravagant things. Okay. To think, um, I don't, um, maybe maybe a pair of earrings or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So we used to ask our guests whether they spend money on cash or card but not really many people use them can't use cash anymore cash the so i'll rephrase that then I, cards on my card, I was so. gonna say debit card or credit card always always your, your amex so that you can get air miles i've been out for dinner with mark i've been out for dinner with uh, mr and mrs fox and nice. i always used to feel very um poor <laughs> when the bill came i would get out my standard american express card and mr and mrs fox would get out their gold wow american express cards so that we can get air miles josh but, uh, yeah but, but i was pleased that last time we went out they also they'd relegated to the blue one like me so i felt a bit better we wanted to make you feel better josh that's the only reason <laughs> thank <to do>. you <laughs> comes down to my level we just kept the gold run inside the wallet so you didn't feel bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you do if you won a lottery um I would what would I do I would I've got three sisters so I would probably pay off their mortgages as well as my own um I would give a large sum of money to um the Sam Keen Foundation the charity we set up for my brother um and I'd go on some very nice holidays very nice would you still would work? be your number one destination? I still work, yes. I would still work. Um, I love my job, so I'd still work. And uh, my number one destination, I've always wanted to go to um, the Maldives. Never been. Nice. Yeah, yeah, for Mark. yeah, well, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll use our air miles. <laughs> use the air miles. Yeah. My pleasure. <laughs> Great. Is that all we've got time for? I think so. Thank you for being in for a penny. If you like what you've heard, feel free to leave a review. And we love hearing from our listeners, so please get in touch via our websites or on Twitter at Mark Schoffman, at Josh Gersler, at In for a Penny Pod One. Talk to you soon. Thank you for being in for a penny.